All right, good morning, chiropractic students. How are y'all doing this morning? You're listening to Is Sarah Cairo in Your Car? And this is your host, Sarah Logan. In case you couldn't have tell by our intro song, we're going to be talking about lungs and thorax to start off this podcast. We ended last one with going over that, I mentioned that chart about headaches, but look over it, continue it. We finished uh, head, ease, ears, eyes, nose, and throat, essentially. So moving on into the lungs and thorax. Okay, we're going to start off with inspection. So deformities of the thorax. We have barrel chested. If the A to P and the lateral diameter are the same, or it's a one-to-one ratio, this is going to be seen with someone who has COPD or cystic fibrosis, that big barrel chest. Next is pectus excavatum, aka funnel chest. It's a marked depression noted in the sternum. It's sunken in, and that's seen commonly in patients with Marfan syndrome. Next is the opposite is pectus uh, carnitatum, carnitatum, (laughs) aka pigeon chest, and that's the forward protrusion of the sternum, so it kind of looks like a bird's beak. Next is respiration patterns. So we have tachypnea, we should know this, rapid, shallow breathing, bradypnea, which is slow breathing. Then we have biot's breathing, characterized by a group of quick, shallow inspirations followed by irregular periods of apnea. There's no pattern though. Another one that's similar is called Cheyenne Stokes respiration. We've seen this before with people who have central sleep apnea. And this is the breathing pattern characterized by alternating periods of apnea and hyperapnea. And this one has a pattern. So they have deep kind of labored breathing and then no breathing. And then deep kind of labored breathing and then no breathing. And this is a form of respiratory acidosis. Next is cusmals. This is the breathing is first rapid and shallow, but as the metabolic acidosis worsens, breathing gradually becomes deep, slow, labored, and gasping. This is known as air hunger breathing. And this is what you're going to see when a diabetic patient is undergoing ketoacidosis. So cusmals is going to be the metabolic acidosis. Nails are in here for some reason. Don't know why, but... We have different types of um, nail deformities that indicate some sort of condition. The first one is pitted, so inguinal indentations. This is seen with patients who have psoriasis. If they have psoriasis, also look for the silver scales. Next is splinter hemorrhaging. This indicates subacute bacterial endocarditis, and it's usually a strep origin, so strep A. uh, endocarditis. Next we have Bose line, B-E-A-U, that type of bow. And this is transverse ridging associated with acute severe disease. Peronychia is inflammation of the nail fold near the cuticle. Nail clubbing, nail base has an angle of greater than 180 degrees and may indicate hypoxia, or COPD. Lastly, we have the 
coil on Kia, aka spoon nail, and that is indicating iron deficiency anemia. Again, that's coil on Kia, and that starts with the K, K-O-I-L. And that's it for the nails, and it's going to jump back into the lungs here. So for on-palpation, we have respiratory excursion. Place the hands over the patient's posterior ribs and have the patient take a deep breath. And then we're going to have them do that tactile fremitus, and that's the vibration when you have the patient say 99. So if we have increased tactile fremitus, that's going to indicate fluid and uh, like pneumonia, some sort of consolidation inside the lungs. If we have decreased tactile fremitus, that means there's air. So patient's going to have emphysema, pneumothorax, something like that. Now, if it's decreased with atelectasis and pleurisy, it's because there's a sound barrier created and there's liquid coming in to the lung space. Tones, we have percussion tones. We have resonant, which means normal over the lung tissue. Hyperresonant, indicating increased air in the chest with conditions such as emphysema or pneumothorax. And then dull, which is an increased density for pneumonia or atelectasis. There's a nice little chart about auscultation. So there's three columns. There's a type of breath sounds that we'll hear, the duration, and the location. I'll go ahead and read each one. The first one is vesicular, and that's the duration is inspiration longer than expiration. Location, most of the lung, especially the base. Bronchiovesicular, duration is inspiration and is equal to expiration, so they're the same. And the location is going to be along the anterior one to two ribs and posterior between the scapula at the apex. Bronchial, the duration is expiration is longer than inspiration. Location is over the manubrium, which makes sense because that's where the bronchioles are located. Lastly, trachea, inspiration, and expiration are equal in duration. And again, it's going to be over the trachea area, hence the name. A couple of um, abnormal breath sounds that we should know are going to be rails, which are small clicking, bubbling, or rattling sounds in the lung. They are believed to occur when air opens closed spaces. Rails can be further described as moist, dry, fine, and coarse. Someone who has bronchitis will most likely have rails. Ronchi are sounds that resemble snoring. <sighs> they occur when the air is blocked or becomes rough in the large airways. Bronchiectasis would have ronchi. Wheezes are high-pitched sounds produced by narrowed airways. They can be heard upon exhalation. Asthma in young people and emphysema in older people. So wheezes are when you exhale and it's commonly seen in asthma. Strider is like the opposite of a wheeze. It's a wheeze-like sound, but it's heard on inspiration. And that's usually due to a blockage of airflow. Lastly, we have some vocal resonance. Um, this is when you're suspecting some sort of consolidation. So this is bronchophony, egophony, and whispered pectil pectililoquy. 
So all of these are testing and confirming for some sort of consolidation, increased density within the lungs. For bronchophony, all of these are performed with a stethoscope and you place their stethoscope on the patient and have them say 99. If you hear a clear, distinct sound, then consolidation is present. For egophony, you ask the patient to say E every time you place a stethoscope on them. And if you hear ah sound instead of the E, consolidation is present. Whispered pectoriloquy, you have them say 99 again, but you have them whisper it like this. And if you can clearly, distinctly hear what they are whispering, then again, consolidation. Lastly, we're going to talk about some, I'm going to give you a condition, what you're going to hear on percussion, what you would feel on fremitus, and then the breath sounds associated with it. So the condition, start off asthma, percussion is going to be resonant, fremitus decreased, breath sounds are wheezing. Atelectasis, percussion is going to be dull or flat, fremitus is going to be decreased. It would be decreased only on the areas that uh, the lung has shrunken back from, but the actual area over the atelectasis where the collapsed lung is, you're going to have a little bit more increased fremitus because of that increased density over that lung part. But overall, majority of the lung field is going to be decreased fremitus and lung sounds are going to be absent. Bronchiectasis. Percussion is resonant, fremitus is normal, breath sounds ronchi. Bronchitis, percussion is going to be resonant, fremitus is normal, breath sounds are rails. Emphysema, percussion is going to be hyperresonant, fremitus is decreased, and there's going to be wheezing. Pleurisy, percussion is going to be resonant, fremitus is decreased, and you're going to hear crackles when you do a friction rub. Pneumothorax, hyperresonant, fremitus is decreased, breath sounds are decreased. Lastly, for pneumonia, percussion is going to be dull, fremitus is going to be increased, and you're going to have the presence of egophony, bronchophony, and the whispered pectoliloquy. Next, I'm going to be going into some specific lung conditions. Keep in mind, this isn't all the lung conditions, so make sure you do do your own studying, but this is just what's in the book and what I'm going to go off of right now. The first one is lobar pneumonia. Consolidation of the lung occurs in four stages. One, consolidation. Two, red hepatization. Three, gray hepatization. And four, resolution. Uh, the way I remember this for some reason was kind of like red, white, and blue. Um, one is consolidation. Red is obviously the red hepatization. Gray was the white for me. And then instead of blue, it was resolution. So that's how I memorized it. Hopefully that'll help you. As far as like signs and symptoms, percussion is dull over the fluid. Rails, AKA crackles, increased tactile fremitus, there's a productive cost around 10 days, and you have rusty brown sputum, possible fever, the silhouette sign. Silhouette sign is what you would see on an x-ray. 
an air bronchogram. bronchogram. So for those of you who aren't the best with interp or imaging, the silhouette sign is basically, you're supposed to see certain shadows within the chest field. Like you're supposed to see the outline of the heart, outline of the lungs, outline of the bronchi. But when we have some sort of consolidation, those clear boundaries start to get hazy because we have some sort of fluid or consolidation occurring. So that's what that silhouette sign means is you can no longer distinguish the heart border because there's something blocking its way. And then the air bronchogam is normally you shouldn't see too much of the bronchi in a chest x-ray. So with someone who has lobar pneumonia, you might see a lot of it and that's abnormal. If I could do an interp or an imaging podcast, I would, but unfortunately you need the images for that. So it's not going to work out. All right. Next condition is uh, Friedlander's pneumonia. This is productive slash current red jelly sputum caused by Klebsiella pneumonia seen with old age or immunocompromised host. This one is key. The key word here is the current red sputum jelly and the Klebsiella pneumonia. Pneumocytis uh, carini. This is caused by a yeast or fungus infection and it's most commonly seen in AIDS patients. Next we have cytomegalovirus, cytomegalovirus caused by CMV, most commonly seen in AIDS. This is a very opportunistic infection for AIDS patients. This wouldn't be a lung discussion if we didn't talk about tuberculosis. Caused by the mycobacterium tuberculosis, presents with low-grade fever, night sweats, productive cough, yellow-slash-green sputum, small white lesions called gone lesions on x-rays. It starts in the apices of the lungs, crackles in the upper lobes, time test-slash-mantox tests or Manteau test, I believe, uh, is going to be positive purified protein. And the most definitive test for DDX is the sputum culture. So tuberculosis, definitely need to know this one. We see it all the time. Um, it's hard to distinguish between some of the other lung conditions, but I think the giveaways are going to be the gone lesions that we see on the x-rays, as well as the, the Tyne test slash the Mantos I think it's French, M-A-N-T-O-U-X, so Mentox, not too sure, but definitely no tuberculosis. Next is pleurisy, inflammation of the pleura, usually producing an exudative pleural effusion and stabbing chest pain, worsened by respiration and coughing. Dole on percussion, dry slash non-productive cough, decreased respiratory excursion, decreased tactile fremitus, Dole on percussion, friction rub is present, decreased breath sounds. And this one's going to have a positive Scheppelman's test. Um, big one for pleurisy is the friction rub because we're going to have that. Next is pneumothorax, a ruptured lung causing air to become trapped in the pleural space. So we're going to have decreased chest expansion because your lung is collapsing basically. De decreased tactile fremitus hyper-resonant, decreased breath sounds, and this can occur in young, previously healthy individuals. It's just kind of like a spontaneous 
spontaneous one where air just gets into that pleural cavity. Unilateral darkening of the chest due to collapse of the lung. Tracheal shift away from the lesion. And this again is talking about imaging. So on a radiograph, we're going to have the tracheal shift away from the lesion. Whereas in atelectasis, the next one we're going to be talking about, it's going to pull the trachea toward the lesion because it causes all this tension. So that's a nice differentiation between the two. So talking about atelectasis, this is the collapse of the lung that is usually the result of bronchial obstruction due to a mucus plug. So sometimes pneumothorax is usually can be caused from like a puncture of like a rib or something. So some sort of trauma, whereas atelectasis is not usually associated with trauma. So obstruction due to mucus plug, air can't get out and it collapses. Presents with decreased tactile fremitus, it's dull on percussion, decreased chest expansion, decreased or absent breath sounds. On x-ray, the collapsed lung will display an increased density and the medial, medial stinal shift to the same side. So they're kind of saying the same thing here. We have tracheal shift away from the lesion or medial stinal shift to the same side. Tracheal shift, medial stinal deviation, same thing same words basically used to describe what we see on an x-ray film. Next is a bronchiectasis. That's an irreversible focal bronchial dilation that presents with a chronic productive cough. CT is necessary to diagnose or confirm. Chronic bronchitis, aka COPD, is defined by long-term cough with mucus, shortness of breath and wheezing, Cigarette smoking is usually the main cause. Long exposure to other things such as chemical fumes, dust, and other substances may also cause COPD. Asthma. Asthma is going to be bronchospasms constricting the airways. Type 1 hypersensitivity reaction that is usually triggered by airborne allergens. Present with tachycardia, tachypenia, decreased tactile fremitus, wheezing, Eosinophils and IgE are going to be high in the blood. Labs for asthma include Kirschman's spirals and charcot Leyden's crystals, crystals and spirals in the sputum from IgE. Now, this isn't in the book itself, but there are two different types subsets of asthma. We have extrinsic and intrinsic. Extrinsic is usually going to be seen in children, and there's like a family history of it. It develops during childhood. Whereas intrinsic is someone who's usually had a bunch of upper respiratory infections. They're a smoker. They might work in some sort of heavy toxic area, and that's going to be an intrinsic form of asthma, and that's in adults. I mix this one up a lot because I think intrinsic, you're born with it. It's going to be in kids, but it's actually the opposite. Intrinsic is because you've been inhaling all these toxins that it gets inside of you, and now you have asthma. So a little bit on that one. Moving on, uh, another form of COPD, we have emphysema. Destruction of the elastic pulmonary connective tissue results in permanent dilation of the alveolar air sacs and caused by a deficiency of alpha-1 Antitrypsin. Prevents with decreased tactile fremitus, 
hyperresonant percussion, decreased breath sounds, and prolonged expiration with an excitatory wheeze likely. Fluid will accumulate first in the costophrenic recess. Um, X-ray findings. We're going to have bilaterally darkened lung fields, narrowed compressed heart, horizontal ribs, flattening of the diaphragmatic domes. So again, looking on an x-ray, it's basically like the whole chest film is going to be all lungs because that's what emphysema is. It's that increased in lung space. And the key one there is going to be the horizontal ribs and the flattening of the diaphragm domes because there's literally so much air in the lung fields that it's pushing down the diaphragm. Bronchogenic carcinoma, primary malignant lung tumor that starts in the area of the bronchus. Long-term history of smoking. Um, we're going to have coughing, which is non-productive, more than 30 days. A fibrillary dyspenia, weight loss, and clubbing of the fingernails. So tying in what we learned earlier, clubbing of the fingernails indicates some sort of hypoxia or COPD. So that's another clue that they might have. Um, they're getting poor oxygen flow to their body as well through this bronchogenic carcinoma. Next, we have costochondritis, a.k.a. tight C syndrome. So inflammation of the cartilage connection between the ribs and the sternum. It develops as a consequence of physical activity and is worse with exercise. Pain increases while taking a deep breath. There will be palpable tenderness at the costal sternal articulation. So this book has costochondritis and tight C syndrome as like the same thing, but I was taught that they're two separate things. So the biggest thing is that tight C, it's spelled T-I-E-T-Z, and this is important because the first part of that word is a tie, and you only wear one tie. Well, normally, a normal person would probably only wear one tie. So that means that tight C syndrome is unilateral. It's still going to be at the, like, the costosternal junction area, but it's, it's unilateral. Whereas um, costocartilage chondritis is going to be bilateral and it's going to be painful when you do that like quote unquote like crowing rooster sign. So that's a little important key factor there. Okay, we also have herpes or shingles in this section as well because it's common to get it in that thoracic dermatomal area. It's a painful rash following the course of a dermatome, usually a single nerve, primarily involves the dorsal root ganglion, but it can also involve the cranial nerves. Sarcoidosis is a disease in which abnormal collections of inflammatory cells, granulomas, form as nodules. Most often appear in the lungs or lymph nodes, most commonly seen in African descents in the U.S. And x-rays are going to be bilateral hilar lymphadenopathy. And um, sarcoidosis is also, it's, it's, um, it's an autoimmune disease. We don't really know how people get it, but they do get it. Okay, we have Hodgkin's. Hodgkin's lymphoma is a cancer of the lymphatic system seen that can spread to the spleen, most commonly seen in Caucasian males that are young, presents with fever, nice sweats, weight loss, intense pruritus, 
release of IgE, and enlarged spleen. Best diagnosed from biopsy, looking for Reed-Sternberg cells. That's really important. The Reed-Sternberg cells are pathognomonic for Hodgkin's. And on x-ray, we're going to have unilateral hilar lymphadenopathy. A way to differentiate between non-Hodgkin's and Hodgkin's lymphoma is oftentimes Hodgkin's lymphoma, you're going to get really, you're going to get like a, a rash and get really itchy. And non-Hodgkin's, non also means, I remember it as non-itchy. So if one of the uh, test questions happens to seem as if it's Hodgkin's lymphoma, but they have Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's, and they let you know that the patient is itchy, then it's Hodgkin's because Hodgkin's is itchy. Lastly, last little long one here is cystic fibrosis. Chronic, progressive, and frequently fatal genetic or inherited disease of the body's mucus glands, an abnormality in the glands that produce or secrete sweat and mucus, loss of excessive amounts of salt, you're going to have thick accumulations of mucus in the intestines and the lungs, the patient's going to have COPD, barrel-chested, pancreatic insufficiency, and meconium ileus. And the biggest thing with cystic fibrosis is you're going to have high levels of chlorine. So they sweat a lot and we have the breakdown of sodium chloride. So you're going to have high levels of chlorine. And to me, that's kind of like the boom trigger word. All right, guys, that just about wraps it up for all of our lung session for today. Next, we're going to be working on heart. There's a lot of material with the heart because heart is very important. So I um, hope you enjoyed this, continue to travel safe, and hope you're learning something.